lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. Thanks for tuning in here today, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. Totters and Aaron McIntyre here with me, as well as our good friend Chris Pandolfo. We'll talk to him here in just a moment for the Dace Group. 888-900-3393 is the number. That's 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And if you're looking for clips of this show to sample, go to youtube.com slash Steve Dace. You can get some samples there and share them if you wouldn't mind. YouTube.com slash Steve Dace. Before we get to the Dace group, I want to let you guys in on something. We, of course, are doing everything we can here uh, at The Blaze to bring you real information rather than the panicky horse bleep that has dominated most of what you've been fed over the last few weeks. It's fascinating. Yesterday, a piece over the New England Journal of Medicine was uncovered that Dr. Fauci wrote back on February 28th. And almost all the language that Donald Trump was using last month that is now being roundly criticized, almost all of it is in that piece on February 28th, which means that's likely what his quote unquote experts were telling him on February 28th. And it falls more in line with the data that we are currently seeing the more we learn about this here, this thing called coronavirus within our own borders. And so you look at what he wrote, Dr. Fauci, on February the 28th, and then you see how radically different he started sounding about two and a half weeks ago. What changed? Well, what changed is the Imperial College survey landed on their doorsteps on March 16th. The, uh, the, or March 15th, the next day on March 16th at the White House, they announced the 15-day effort to flatten the curb. Dr. Burks even said at that time that this simulation was one of the major reasons why they were undergoing the effort they did. And then all of the shutdowns and preemptive socioeconomic ruin kicked into high gear from that time forward. It was already heading this way, but man, it went into overdrive after this. And then yesterday, of course, we find out that essentially Imperial College is full of feces. This is why the flow of information is so key to our survival as a people. And what I mean by that, I don't just mean you have a heartbeat. Our way of life, the things that America is about that that make life, frankly, have more meaning, worth living, that we're trying to conserve as conservatives. Well, none of us here are doing this for free. And one of the first things that go when there's ever a panic is adver- advertising spending. That's one of the first things businesses cut back when they know that they have to. That's going to affect us as well here at The Blaze. Despite the fact we are having one of our most successful periods ever. I mean, we had almost 50,000 unique users, unique users, almost 50,000 unique users tune in to us on Pluto TV alone this week. So this is where you can help us help you. Today, we are taking $30 off the price of a subscription to Blaze TV in the hopes of trying to, pardon the expression, flatten the curve of what we anticipate 
will happen to advertising revenues in the coming time and try to undergird ourselves and prepare ourselves and reinforce our own revenues for that eventuality so that we can keep bringing you content and real information that the more we learn every question like this on this show in particular every i can't speak to everybody else's shows i don't get a chance to watch them but i can certainly vouch for our own all the questions we were asking in this show two weeks ago are all coming home to roost now i mean last night on cnn the mayor of new orleans was blaming trump for not shutting the country down now let's set aside we have a, a, a very well-known precedent that tells us the local government of new orleans is just not equipped for times like these okay but that you know notwithstanding she was on there last night blaming trump for not shutting the country down soon enough and that they went ahead and held mardi gras well mardi gras was on february 25th you know all those we told you that those line curve graphs you're seeing are all trash well we had no cases on february 28th no cases on march 7th and now look we, we weren't testing for it we don't know when it arrived we we, we didn't know what we were looking for it, it, that's irrelevant so CNN, uh, of course, they didn't intend to do this, but by accepting the premise last night and providing a platform for someone to blame Donald Trump for a viral outbreak that they're now tracing back to February 25th in their own hometown, unintentionally confirmed the operating hypothesis we've been using on this show to ask every skeptical question that's been asked. Why? Because we're not pathologists. We're not virologists. We don't know how to treat a virus. We're public policy analysts. That's what we do. And where this virus crossed into the realm of public policy is when we were under the impression that a massive wave of cases was on its way. We had to shut our society down. You couldn't go get a filling for your kid. You couldn't, uh, you know, if you were going to get bariatric surgery to, to, to control all, delete your health, you couldn't do that. Just had a buddy of mine text me. He's a unique blood type. He can't get that blood now because all the blood, blood banks are shut down. So he's basically hoping nothing happens to him. Okay. We did all of this. We did all of this. Kirk Herbstreet out there today having a meltdown. I can't. There's no way we can play real easy for. We can play football here in five months. In five months. That's real easy for a millionaire to say. Not so easy for all those kids. They're going to lose their scholarships without football's revenue. That's hundreds of thousands. The millions and millions of adults that are going to lose their livelihoods, healthcare, without those jobs. Maybe just kind of wait for more data before we start making calls like that when an event doesn't start for five months. Is that is that too much to ask? These days? It yeah, is. it is. Well, there's been very scant few places that have provided a platform for the asking of those kinds of questions. And this is one of them. So... The three of us would just come in here and defy stay-at-home orders and do this for free because we believe in the cause. The problem is, this is a vast operation, and it requires a lot more people than just the three of us to take what we do here in this studio and bring it to all of you across the country. And as my college roommate once told me, romance without finance is a damned nuisance. All right? So this is where you can help us help you. Today, we're taking $30 off the price of a subscription to Blaze TV to make it as absolutely affordable as possible so that we can build up our own reserves in anticipation of declining advertising revenue forthcoming. Go to blazetv.com, use the promo code Steve. blazetv.com, promo code Steve, to get $30 off your Blaze TV subscription right now. Because there's a lot of stuff that gets produced here that we just don't give away. Okay? So blazetv.com slash Steve. If you want to see information outlets 
like this. You ever wondered, how does CNN and all these cable news networks that have no ratings, how do they stay propped up? How do these newspapers with their fake news plummeting subscription numbers, how do they continue to have a platform? They're being subsidized by people who want this message out there. A lot of them are in corporate America. Well, this is your turn to help us. Right? If you, if you want to see outlets like this survive the depression, we are desperately doing everything we can to cause. BlazeTV.com slash day. So you can help. I'm sorry. BlazeTV.com promo code Steve for the discount today. BlazeTV.com promo code Steve. So you can help us stay ahead of the advertising curve that we all know that one is absolutely coming. Okay. BlazeTV.com slash Steve. And please tell everybody, you know, about what we've been doing here at Blaze TV these last couple of weeks in particular. All right, let's get to the day script. Your weekly look at the week that was brought to you by our friends over at Home Title Lock who want to make sure you don't end up like Deborah, who found out the hard way how easy it is for your home to be stolen. And given perilous economic times we're in, people are looking, people that wouldn't consider scams and getting involved in them and scamming others are going to probably be tempted to do so. Protect your most important asset right now that you have. For almost every American, and this is probably true right now if you're a multimillionaire and own a corporation, because you don't know what your you don't know what your receivables are looking like in the next six months. So pretty much this is true, regardless of 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 what your financial status is. Anybody within the sound of my voice or within the sight of my fairly mediocre face, no matter where you stand financially in your portfolio, if you own your own home right now, it is the most important asset that you have. Protect it with home title lock. Do not let thieves do what the FBI calls home title fraud. And that's where they go online, make it look like you sold your home to them because that's where your home's title is kept. Either liquidate all of your equity. They did that to Deborah, And then they also evicted Deborah from her own home because they made it look like that she sold it to them at the exact same time. All right, so protect your most important asset right now. Uh, Enter the promo code Steve for one month of free protection. When you go to hometitlelock.com, promo code Steve at hometitlelock.com. Dot com. Let's get to the weekly look at the week that was and what a week it was. Issue one, bleep Democrats say. Mommy, what happened to grandma? Well, Timmy, she died so that the S&P 500 wouldn't fall below its 90-day moving average. There is apparently money to be found when, when the financial markets are going bad. Yeah, it's funny how when... Um, when white folks are suffering, we find a way to deliver and cut checks um, for for people. We're going to have an opportunity, I believe, in the next round here to use the my uh, green economy, my my green deal, or uh, to be able to generate both economic growth and consistent with the kind of infusion of monies we need into the system to keep it going. There is a political danger of overreaching here, and I think that's what you're seeing play out on the Senate floor where Democrats are being criticized for things like including cancellation of student debt, which you could argue is not a part of the coronavirus crisis. I don't care. I don't care. And he could open it up. What what is your opinion? But if you could talk more deeply about the connection between climate change um, and the growth of these viruses. We, the people, we hold these truths, etc. Sounds corny, but it's real. This pandemic 
the global migration crisis, uh, uh, so many other things are actually all uh, effects, uh, you know, of this great acceleration that we've been seeing uh, for the last 30 years, you know, since starting in about 1990. We have to take care of the cure. That will make the problem worse no matter what. Let us not forget that COVID-19 is a gendered crisis. Nurses, nurse aides, teachers, child carers and early childhood educators, aged care workers and cleaners are mostly women. We have folks in Rikers who are also starting uh, to organize their own strikes and that they are not leaving their facilities. They are not going to their, um, to their labor assignments, which we shouldn't even have mandatory labor assignments where prisoners are, are paid slave wages. But here's the thing. It's not a question of uh, if the economic shutdown is absolutely brutal for Americans, for our fellow citizens, for our economy. Of course it is. It's just that those on the right in the business world talking to Donald Trump are just misreading what the choices are right now. There is no option to just let everyone go back out and go back to normal if a pandemic rages across the country and infects 50% of the population and kills a percentage point at the low end of those infected and also melts down all the hospitals. I don't know, it's like watching a yo-yo. I shouldn't have said it that way. It's like watching- It feels that way. I wanna ask, I wanna- (laughs) It's okay. Have you been uh, tested for the coronavirus? No, I I have not been tested for the coronavirus. Uh, I've had, thank God, no symptoms that I'm aware of. Doesn't mean that that can't happen. Up for the next round of primaries, (laughs) including- I have not talked to any individual. <laughs> Excuse me. You know, you're supposed to cough into your elbow. I don't know, sir. That's, I learned that actually covering your White House. That's, that you no, did. Actually, actually, that's true. But fortunately, I'm alone in my home. But that's okay. All right. First question. That last one I'm taking off the table. That's, that's so easy pickings. You can't have it. It's so obvious. It's probably the single greatest clip of this entire uh, pandemic uh, real virus, but uh, panicky uh, hoax scam that we've been under for the last two to three weeks. That clip right there to me is the American Gothic painting. It is the bald eagle of coronavirus culture is that clip. You can't have it. It's too easy. You got to pick something else. All right. I, I, I need a better answer from the three of you than two plus two equals four. I need you to do a little bit more work. All right. Because that one, that's an emblem. That's not even an answer. It's an emblem. So with that now disclaimer stated, what was your favorite car on the crazy train this week? Chris Pandolfo. It looks like we've uh, lost Chris's audio. Unfortunately, We'll try to get it back. Todd, go ahead. Nicole Wallace. Watching her with that smile, like she's holding the hand of her beloved grandfather and she's going to nurse him through whatever. When this guy is running to be president of the United States during a pandemic, while on every other show, no matter what Donald Trump says or does, you know, she's unloading all barrels. And this is somebody who was hired to work in the Bush White House and run point on a communication. That says so much about the oh, Republican Party in general you bet it does. for decades now and why we are in this position of everything being stupid. Chris, we have you back. 
your turn. What was your favorite ride on the crazy train this week, Chris? Well, uh, if I can't have the last clip of Joe Biden, can I have some of the other ones? Because You may have all the other ones if you would like. Todd just took one himself, yes. (laughs) I'll take all the other ones. Look, this is why you could tell that the Democrats can't beat President Trump in November. It's because collectively they couldn't beat Joe Biden in their own primary. That's that's a fascinating point. That's a fascinating point. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's all I'll say about that because he's just he's too easy. Um, Some of the other stuff, I think, like the people saying, uh, you know, this coronavirus proves that all these free policy, free money policies and socialists have wanted for years that that comes into effect now because, you know, we could do it. I hate that stuff. Like, it's it's not my favorite part of crazy this week, but it's the part of crazy that we have to beat and work the hardest to beat back. Because just because the government is running up $2 trillion in additional deficit spending doesn't mean we can afford these policies. Uh, the, the coronavirus stimulus, whether or not you agree with how they're approaching this problem or not, whether or not you think that they're going way too far with the free money stuff, the point is the government does have a responsibility in terms of crisis to act. I'm not saying that this is the right act for this moment, but as a general principle, sure, the government does have a responsibility to address crises, right? And the definition of a crisis is an extraordinary circumstance. It's a policy you adopt, you, the response to that is a policy you adopt, not because it's the right policy to do all the time, but because it's a one-time extraordinary, we have to do this, otherwise something really, really bad is going to happen. You, you can't look at crises policy and say, oh, well, that just means we can get free college student debt forgiveness for everyone and universal health care for everyone and all these stuff that Bernie Sanders wanted to do, which the Democrats have basically fallen in line with policy wise. Maybe if not, Joe Biden is uh, pr- and even Joe Biden's like promoting this stuff, like the clip about him talking about how we got to do the Green New Deal now. We have to put that in the next coronavirus stimulus. That is the stuff that conservatives as a movement have to fight the hardest against right. and make the most arguments against. And uh, that is crazy. We have to fight. Well, I mean, the, and the, the simplest retort is the, we're talking about a one time at two trillion dollar event. They're talking about a perpetual reoccurring two trillion dollar apocalypse. That I mean, that's that's the don't you think, Chris, that's the immediate pushback, right? They want, to, exactly. they, they want to do this on everything all the time. That We're not one extraordinary circumstance with arguably the worst pandemic since this in, in 100 years in America. They, they want to do this on everything all the time. To me, that would be the pushback. But you're exactly right on the big point there. Chris, or I'm sorry, Aaron, get high on your own supply. Quickly go. So it's the chick at the very beginning of that uh, montage who says, uh, Timmy, why did your uh, yeah, gra- what, grandpa or grandma died because the S&P 5, that, that you want old people to die because of the stock market trope. Now, th- Was that Eric a, Erickson that, or? That, Exactly. Okay, that's where I'm about. That. That's where I'm okay. about to go with right. that because uh, for leftists, demagoguery is the air they breathe. They they eat demagoguery for breakfast and then spew it back out for the rest of the day at everybody. So that's not out of the ordinary. The reason why that's my favorite, uh, you know, ride on the crazy train of Democrats this week is because it's not really a Democrat talking point this week. I, mm. I, I would say if I would say it's not all exclusively true, but if you reflexively in order to bolster whatever argument you say you have, if you reflexively resort to demagoguery, it's probably time to reevaluate that argument because that is a hallmark. That doesn't mean necessarily, I mean, the correlation causation thing, that doesn't mean necessarily your argument is bad, but if you reflexively go there, it, 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 it's probably probably worth reexamining your, your actual argument because the reason why leftists mm-hmm. always go there is because their argument is usually pretty dang bad. 
that I've learned over the last 20 years. If that, when, whenever, if, when demagoguery is the, is the immediate instinctive answer, like we got on this, the minute we started asking questions for, we even knew all the data that's coming out now. We hate your old people. That's when I knew we were asking the right questions. And that's when I knew I wasn't going to be deterred. Okay. Exit question on a scale of one to 10, with one being as credible as the models that claim 2 million Americans were going to die from coronavirus, and 10 being as certain as Joe Biden's dementia. Rate this week's level of total depravity, Aaron. I'm going to go with an 8.5. Chris, that's high. I thought it was low, like a four. Yeah, I'm kind of more with Chris. I didn't think it was as, as nuts this week, but maybe it's because of the other world I've been in all week long. Go ahead, Todd. Because that's at a 17, that world is. Go ahead, Todd. Yeah, I'll say seven. All right. Let's get to issue two. Let's, let's enter in to that realm. Coronavirus questions. Hmm. It's an understatement to say the Wuhan coronavirus has dominated all facets of pop culture, politics, and worldview over the past few weeks. The virus and its associated disease has spread rapidly across the world, and entire swaths of civilization have shut down to try to mitigate its spread. In America, dozens of states and or counties and cities have been placed in lockdown, not allowing citizens to go out and about in their communities unless it's necessary for groceries or medicine. But with no clear timetable for when communities can get back to normal order, panic and fear are the names of the game. What kind of economy do you think you're going to have under those conditions? I mean, please, just think about this for a second. Are people going to be flying? Are they going to be going to Disney World? Are they going to be going to restaurants and bars? Are you going to be able to run a business if two-thirds of your staff gets sick? Mommy, what happened to Grandma? Well, Timmy, she died so that the S&P 500 wouldn't fall below its 90-day moving average. (laughs) Which stage of capitalism is it where we sacrifice our elders for the good of the stock market? You have to continue to have this social distancing, right? I mean, I've seen one estimate that says if you don't flatten the curve, we could have two million deaths. Dr. Deborah Burks of the White House's Coronavirus Task Force seems to be getting fed up with these doomsday predictions. The numbers that have been put out there are actually very frightening to people. But I can tell you, if you go back and look at Wuhan and Hubei and all of these provinces, when they talk about 60,000 people being infected, even if you said, oh, right, well, there's asymptomatics and all of that, so you get to 600,000 people out of 80 million. That is nowhere close to the numbers that you see people putting out there. I think it has frightened the American people. I think on a freely on a model that you just run full out, you can get to those numbers if you have zero controls and you do nothing. Just shy of 86,000 cases of the disease have now been confirmed in the United States with 1,300 deaths. So two weeks ago, even just last week, um, why won't you idiots and morons social distance? Um, you know, the viral videos of spring breakers uh, doing uh, jello shots off of each other's butt cracks and they're going to kill everybody in Florida, okay, which has what over 20 counties in the state that don't even have a single coronavirus diagnosis right now. But right, that was the story. You idiots won't do this. Um, all the shots of New Yorkers still going to bars and restaurants, right? That was last week. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so, and, but then Chris Hayes wants to say, what do you think if we open things back up, people will really go to places? I thought you were saying last week, stop going to these places. Right. I mean, by the way, this is the same dude that um, he's having a car 
pick him up at his Upper East Side Manhattan suite to drive him over to 30 Rock in the heart of a viral, a virus stricken city. Okay, with makeup artists and engineers and dozens and dozens of people that have to also go into work at that place for him to go on the air and make millions of dollars lying to y'all with horse bleep like that. Okay. But what do you guys think is the most important question still to be answered? As the battle against coronavirus continues, Todd, I'll start with you. Oh, this is easy. Now you're gonna, not going to get an honest answer to it, but on a scale of one to ten, if you are sixty or younger, how afraid are you of getting the coronavirus? Because if you're very afraid of it, it shows that's what's basing your decisions. Even though you have no scientific reason to be very afraid of it, because it doesn't come after you like it in anything close to the percentage comes to the elderly and foreign population and if you aren't afraid then why all this chris hayes and crystal ball hysteria this is just like my long-held abortion belief on on wedge issues if, if you actually said okay fine you give me all the other abortions and i'll give you rape instance and health of mother they wouldn't take it because it's just about killing all of them. This line of questioning that Chris Hayes and Crystal Ball, they're just lying to you. Whether they believe it's fear, whether they are totally afraid of it or not, that is the Rosetta Stone for interpreting this stuff. They are they don't care about the old people. Either they are sitting home terrified of it or they're not terrified and that means they're just lying and spinning to you. One way or the other, this is a total scam. Same thing with the people who shut the football season down that starts in five months. If you think it's that bad, why are the hell are you on Twitter? If you think it's going to go that far, why are you wasting what precious few moments you may have with Grandpap arguing about whether or not the Brady will the, will suit up for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the sat, the Sunday after yeah, Labor Day? I know you want to get on Facetime and spend yeah. all the time you can with your loved ones. Get off of Twitter. What are you doing with that then? Oh, I know. Chris, what do you think is the most important question to ask? Still, well, there's tons of questions you can ask, but I have to ask something in the realm of what I know. What I don't know is I, I'm not a medical professional. I, I'm more of a pundit. I can think about politics and I can think about policy and government's response to crises. I can't tell you how infectious the virus is. I can't tell you if we need to continue some like the extreme social distancing. The question that's important is what is the prudent thing to do? Is there a happy medium between open everything back up tomorrow and just pretend like nothing's wrong and go back to normal, which I think personally is a dumb response, or uh, shut everything down, lock the entire economy, everybody hide in your homes, no one go anywhere, which I think also is dumb. There has to be a happy medium response, right? Because if you look at what is actually happening, you get away from the policy papers being shuffled around on Twitter by people who've only skim read them and don't know what they're talking about. You could see in places like New York and New Orleans where there are a lot of people who are getting very sick. They're going into hospitals. The hospitals are reaching fuller capacities. They don't have enough ventilators to treat these people. They are looking for different types of treatments and drugs. Like These are the things that are tangible and are happening and need a response from us and from our government, right? Uh, the question is, how do we keep the people who are sick, how do we help them, how do we get them treated, and how do we make sure that they don't die in the hospital, and how do we keep other people from getting sick? Uh, I think that some of the extreme policies you're seeing, with, like uh, in South Carolina, for example, they just shut down state parks. I don't think that makes very much sense to shut down state parks, because if you're going to go to a state park, you're going to be outdoors, you're not going to be around a lot of other people if you're hiking in the woods with two or three friends, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, those kind of policies, I think, are an egregious response. But 
I also don't think that we should just all like pretend like everything's back to normal and go and like see a concert with uh, 50 or 5,000 or 2,000 other people in the room with you. I think that's also kind of dumb. Uh, because we do know that a lot of people who are not just the elderly, there are people who are my age, people who are 39 who are getting very sick, some of them are dying. Not all of them have pre-existing conditions. There have been cases where people have died who had nothing wrong with them initially. They got the coronavirus and their lungs filled up with fluid because the virus attacks their respiratory systems and they cho basically they choked on their uh, a mix of blood and fluids in their own lungs. But that's happening. So you can't just turn everything back on overnight. You have to go gradually. And I think we have to take a step back and look at a week by week basis of, okay, uh, are we slowing down how many people are getting sick? Are we able to treat the people who are getting sick? And if not, what do we need to do in terms of policy to make sure that more ventilators are being produced and getting shipped to hospitals that need them? Uh, are we making sure that there are enough hospital beds for everyone who's getting sick? Can we take care of the people who don't have coronavirus but still need to go to the hospital? Or are our hospitals so full of people who have coronavirus that we can't take care of those people who also need medical All right, we're service? running out of time, Chris. Long answer. Right. Appreciate it. Thank you. Sorry. All right, it's exit question. question. Trump's... You, you, you got to apologize to Aaron. You took his time. Exit Sorry. question. Trump's initial 15-day effort to flatten the curve is set to expire on Tuesday. Very quickly, tell me, and Aaron, you'll get to go first this time. Tell me, what do you believe will come next? I believe uh, county by county and jurisdiction by jurisdiction, uh, easing of restrictions. Todd? I agree with that answer. It seems to be the direction we're going. That's all right. Okay. Chris, go ahead, sir. I agree. All right. We'll come back, and we're going to talk about the study that started everything that those of you that are not directly impacted by the virus, but are directly impacted by the shutdowns. We'll talk about the study that started all of that and what comes next. We'll do that next year on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Stay tuned. Hey, Losing your hair sucks, but you know it doesn't? Keeping your hair without ever having to leave your couch, which apparently you're not supposed to do right now anyway. All right, so if you're losing your hair, you got to know about Keeps. They offer the generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products, but... That means they're the real stuff, not, you know, some fake, you know, thing they're scamming you. And if you text one, they give it to you for free forever, right? Now, this is actually the real thing, all right? But they offer it to you with the generic versions. So you save a bundle at the exact same time. Just answer a few online questions, just snap a few pics of your hair, and a doctor will review everything and recommend the right FDA-approved hair loss treatment for you, and then it is shipped discreetly to your door. So you're probably wondering, will it work? Well, a whopping 66% of men who try this even end up experiencing hair regrowth. That's two-thirds, all right? So the odds are pretty good. Uh, but here's the deal you got to take advantage of right now. Go to keeps.com slash grow to get your first order of keeps hair loss treatment for 50% off. That's right. Half off right now at keeps.com slash grow half off at keeps.com slash grow. All right, let's get to issue three here on the day's group Imperial college. Imperial College of London is a public research institution in the United Kingdom that's been around since the middle 19th century. One of its most well-known alumnus is H.G. Wells, the British writer who penned the infamous fictional book War of the Worlds, which went on to become the basis of a one-night panic in the United States after a different Wells, Orson, adapted the novel for radio broadcast decades after its release. Flash forward to today, one of Imperial College's most well-known researchers is Neil M. Ferguson, 
Ferguson, an epidemiologist who helped pen the infamous fictional novel called Impact of Non-Pharmaceutical Interventions and PIs to Reduce COVID-19 Mortality and Healthcare Demand, which went on to become the basis of a weeks-long panic in the United States and subsequent economic crash after that same American media adapted the report for their own purposes. One was meant to be fiction, the other was not, but both produced, at least for a little while, panic. The latter work of fiction was published just a couple of weeks ago. The Imperial College report and projection of the spread of the Wuhan coronavirus contained doomsday predictions for the death toll of the virus in the United States and Great Britain. It stated that without mitigation, the virus would kill about 2.2 million Americans and half a million in the UK. And even with controls like social distancing and forced quarantine, the virus would still kill vast swaths of people and that those control measures would be needed to stay in place for a period of 12 to 18 months or until a vaccine for COVID-19 were to be developed. The report also stated the virus would peak within two to three months. This week, the aforementioned Neil Ferguson gave parliamentary testimony where he said this. When do you expect the peak of the, the epidemic to be? Have you made a projection of that in your model? Yes, and it's something we're working on intensively this week. If, and it's an if, um, we're moderately confident, as I said, but can't be completely sure. If the current measures... Uh, work as we would expect them to, then we will see intensive care unit demand peak in approximately three, two and a half, three weeks' time. A very serious point is the number of fatalities. Have you made a projection uh, of that? It was obviously one of the concerns that you had in the development of the strategy. Yes, yeah, so, so not a detailed projection based on the most current data, but we assessed in that report on the 19th, on the 16th of March, that fatalities would be probably unlikely to exceed about 20,000. So not a half million deaths in the UK, but probably far fewer than 20,000. Also, the epidemic peak is expected in two to three weeks instead of two to three months. Ferguson later went on Twitter to try to clarify and say his original projections are still intact and that the virus is more transmissible than they previously thought, even though they admitted they had no idea how transmissible it was in their original projection. And that, kids, is what's called gaslighting. And it, Aaron, might be one of the best issue intros yep. you have ever done in the history of the Days Group. Well, thank you. As, 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 as frankly, the guy that, that broke the seal on Imperial College here in our own media, I didn't even know about the H.G. Wells thing. I, that didn't even come up in the, uh, in, the, in the research that I initially did to question all their climate alarmism and everything else. I mean, that wow. Wow. So... What does it say about the flow of information in our era that one simulation from one source, even Oxford told the Financial Times earlier this week, they could not believe governments just took this simulation at face value and didn't test it. What does it say that one simulation from one source could so immediately infiltrate even the highest levels of governments and prompt unprecedented action before it was ever truly scrutinized? Dr. Burks said a week ago Monday, when the White House launched the flatten the curve effort, that this simulation was one of the main inspirations for this effort. If you read the simulation, the talking point, flatten the curves, all that stuff you is in this simulation. If you wonder where all this, ling- this lingo comes from, it's in the simulation if you read through it. So, Todd, I'll start with you. What, is it, what does it say about the flow of information in our society that one, one, one panic contagion can do this? That flow has nothing short of a literal hypnotic power over uh, the American rest right now. 
you know those college you, they bring hypnotists to like high school lock-ins and colleges and there's a stage full of of young people who get hypnotized it it is that you can just turn on that. I was uh, debating right now. My kids are supposed to go back to school on uh, April uh, 13th. That's tentative, but that's where it is right now. And I was online talking about high, spring high school sports and how you deal with that, uh, that season. And somebody said to me, not only do I not think they're going to school on April 13th, they're not going to school the rest of this year. And I don't think they're going. They, and he said they shouldn't go to school for the rest of 2020. That's until next Christmas, because that's when we'll have a vaccine. And then I start, th- this is where I like, I you don't know that by the way, which is right. But that, yeah. th- when I have moments in any given day where I think I'm confident that my kids can go back to school on April 13th, but then I think here, right. The, the level of the way people have utterly been hypnotized, you're dealing with zombies and they're not capable of weighing and measuring I on, anymore. I, I was on the Jesse Kelly show down in, uh, I think he's in Houston earlier this week and one of the things his show does is the guest gets to pick the music so they asked me during the break nice. hey what do you want to come back to and i chose i told the producer i want we won't get fooled yeah. again by the who and he said a great choice why and i said well other than the fact that i think it's probably the greatest rock song of all time the line we know that the hypnotized never lie yeah and you didn't know that and so hearing you say talk about that goes right along the lines of why i chose that music a couple of days ago when i was on a show well, that's that's what I'm leaving it there. We you're you're dealing with a level of fear and panic. And again, people remember two weeks ago that what this isn't panic. We're just listening to the experts. This if come to terms with that fact. You are looking at the most of us are seeing the greatest pan level of psychosis we've ever seen in our entire lives yep. at a mob level. That's why when I wrote my piece for the Blaze on Monday, I separated I, and I worded it this way specifically. There's the pathology of the virus, and then there's the psychology of the public policy. I didn't choose those words randomly because they they just they right. sung. I chose them because of that's what we're dealing here. In my opinion, is there's the pandemic and then there's the psychosis. Okay, Chris, you have the floor. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, I think what that flow of information shows you is that a little bit of knowledge is dangerous. And something you said earlier is most important is acknowledging that for most of this, we don't know. We don't know how transmissible the virus is. We don't know if it's as deadly as the projections were saying it was or if it's not. And that, in terms of public policy, it, it demonstrates that the progressive idea of a state that can just kind of like direct society and make everything better because man is infinitely perfectible, that progressive idea will never work because there's too much that we don't know to make right. top-down policy effective. And like we're seeing all these unintended consequences of, okay, well, we're trying to flatten the curve. Well, how do you flatten the curve when you don't know when it started, when the earliest infection in the United States? That means everything you're doing in terms of policy could be ineffective. And so not only do you have a lot of people getting sick, but you also destroyed an economy on the way. It's why as difficult and as frustrating as it is, when you're trying to think about what are we going to look like in two weeks or three months or six months from this, it's really, you can't think in terms of long-term projections. You really, I think, are in the situation where we have to take things on a week-by-week basis, assess how many people are getting sick, figure out where the medical treatments are at, figure out where the vaccine development is at, and go from there. The other thing, too, by the way, I agree with that. I totally agree with that. The idea was floated yesterday within the White House probably to test it in the media um, uh, was was essentially having tiering of counties or states uh, least infectious most infectious where, where you could open back up I love that idea 
if they go yeah. with it. You know why I love it? Because it creates incentive and competition to to practice your ingenuity. See, here's here's you you, you know why the Imperial College simulation could never be true. That unless we're dealing with an apocalyptic event, okay, it could never be true. Why? Because they have a worldview bias. It doesn't account for the ingenuity of the of of the human being created in the image of God, nor the incentivization of necessity being the mother of invention, as Shakespeare once said, or the capitalistic incentive incentivization. Let me give you two examples. In one case, let me tell you what it looks like when when necessity is the mother of invention. The Japs attack Pearl Harbor. Blow up every every uh, every every destroyer battleship we have in all but three aircraft carriers, and the Joint Chiefs of Staff say to FDR, "Man, it's going to take six months, six months to to replace the aircraft carriers." And FDR is like, "Well, folks, in six months you're speaking Japanese, so you got about thirty days, and we'll see you at midway." And lo and behold, man, they had a, they 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 cobbled together a couple aircraft carriers to take out there that day for the battle that ended up turning the Pacific Theater. See, the simulations told the experts, well, we could, if you fall, because all the previous circumstances, this is what we did and what the reaction, this isn't a, this is an extraordinary circumstance and we're going to have to come up with some extraordinary solutions because we have no chance, no other option, no other option. So failure is not an option. We just have to do this. And then there's the story out today, a large vacuum manufacturer has just turned its entire business into ventilator manufacturing. Why did they do that? Well, I'm sure part of it is they're concerned for their fellow man, if not themselves. You know what another large part of it is? People are going to be buying a hell of a lot more ventilators and vacuums right now. So you have the capitalism incentivization as well. But when you're an anti-Western sieve, you're an anti-capitalist climate alarmist institution like Imperial College, you're not, those notions never even entered into your mind. But the, as Chris said, the idea that we could have some perfect outcome. You know, 120 years ago, Teddy Roosevelt nearly banned football. He was concerned about it. And he put it, gave him a warning. Hey, you guys better clean this sport up, man. It's too dangerous. Where do you think the innovations of padding and the early proto versions of the helmet, where do you think all this stuff came from? Cautious warning. And say, hey, if you want to keep playing football, this is what you got to do, all right? 50, I mean, how many people, w- w- the reason we have precautions on auto accidents, because if you want the freedom that owning an automobile and getting places at a faster rate provides you, you've got to practice certain precautions. That's what we're going to have to learn, guys, to do with the COVID-19 virus. And, and Chris is right. You're going to need to do that on an incremental basis. This is also, because I agree with Chris, is why I want things open, the opening up process to begin as soon as possible. Because it, I think people think that we just paused a DVD or a YouTube video and we hit play and we just go right back. It's not going to be like that at all. Okay. There's, there's going to be a ramp up. You hit control, alt, delete all the, your computer's got to reload all the, then, then all the, the gateway files that, you know, the computer runs on, I'll have to reload. That process t- doesn't just happen in, in, in a second, does it? Right. No, that's, that's what is going to need to happen here. Aaron, you get the last word. Go ahead. So this shows us that we're hanging on by a very thin thread, my friend, because the 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 uh, the, the piece that was published yesterday, but actually originally dated uh, February twenty sixth, twenty eighth, one of those twenty eighth yeah. uh, from the New England Journal of Medicine published and written researched by one Dr. Anthony Fauci said that this coronavirus their initial estimates that this was going to be a lot less deadly than the seasonal flu then just less than 2 weeks later Dr. Anthony Fauci went in front of Congress and said this is going to be 10 times more deadly than the seasonal flu how does that happen 
How does that happen? And now we're going back. We're going. We, we have more data because we, we weren't testing people. here for it yet. We weren't testing. Yeah, we weren't testing here for it yet. And now we're going back to more and more data. You mentioned several instances of them. We've got people, epidemiologists at Stanford, at Oxford, questioning all this, and we're getting more back to the point that Dr. Anthony Fauci made back in late February. The, we're getting closer to that conclusion than we definitely were before. Now, whether how many factors it is less less deadly than the seasonal flu, it might be more deadly than the seasonal flu, but right now it certainly seems that it's not a factor of 10 if anything and of course every single one of these sicknesses illnesses we've said this all week it's serious it's tragic but to shut down the entire economy based on one report from imperial college that is unforgivable we've, unforgivable we've tested over a half million americans that are probably the most symptomatic and vulnerable i mean they live in a place like new orleans or new york all right. Of those of those over half million Americans we have tested, okay, about a little less, a little more, or a little less than one point five percent have come back, um, uh, or, or one point five percent have perished. Okay, around fifteen percent have come back as positive. All right, and New York City, which is the most tested place, or New York State, the most tested place in America, the current death rate is at about zero point eight percent which is nowhere near this, uh, the, the numbers that we were floating even a couple of weeks ago before we even saw or started testing for this in our own country. Let's get to the exit question, true or false. We just have to accept that all of our civic institutions in the West have been infiltrated by leftist paganism and therefore skeptically filter their analysis on anything accordingly going forward. Chris? Yeah, true. Todd? Of course, true. Aaron? Truest thing. Yeah. All right. We are short on time, right? Because aren't we out of here in like two minutes? That's correct. All right. Um, so let's go right to predictions if you guys don't mind. All right. Chris, I'll let you go first. What's your prediction? Uh, there's a lot of talk of Andrew Cuomo sweeping in and taking the Democratic nomination away from Joe Biden because he's performing so well over the coronavirus stuff. I think that's nonsense. It's not going to happen. It's fake news. And that's why only conservative websites are talking about it. I know I'm one of them that's actually been thinking about it. Uh, but no. but I, here's what I think. I think if Trump's approval rating is 55 or higher, they'll just let Joe Biden just get thrown under the bus. If they view him as if, if Trump's approval rating uh, does not soar because of this, I, I think that they could at least absolutely at least think about it. But you're right. It's largely just being talked about by us. You're right about that. Todd? The uh, mandatory vaccine issue is going to be coming up way sooner than the end of uh, 2020. <laughs> they are racing to get this thing uh, done. And that uh, psychosis I told you about earlier, that's going to be peak hypnotism. See, I would actually be in favor of mandatory vaccinations of Chinese nationals to come into the country. I had to get Ooh. vaccinated to go into Haiti. You got to get vaccinated to, bring, to come into my country. I'd absolutely well, support well, that's that. That's a whole different animal than yep. every American. What do you think? Uh, within the next, what, warranted or not, within the next two months, you're going to see governors from across the country attempt to, uh, without evidence, use the coronavirus crisis to leverage President Trump and or Congress. Count on that. Count on that. Uh, my prediction, I just think a Memorial Day weekend, you're going to see more and more things come open. I've said this about baseball. That's when I think it will start. I think movie theater chains across the country are going to start opening Memorial Day weekend and admission will be free. Chris, good to see you, my friend. Thanks for being with us. We'll come back hour two. Feedback Friday is next. This is what happens when we get to talking. Sorry. That's, that's my all right. Bad. Yeah. Well, we'll just blame it on me. What I was saying was so captivating that 
that you were distracted from your yeah. producer duties. Yeah, well, I'll is. take the blame because I'm I'm getting the blame for lots of things right about now. So I'm used to it. All right, just throw another shrimp on the barbie at this point. This portion of the show today brought to you by Riduzone. If you want to make sure now is the time and you're worried, man, about crushing the pantry with all that free time you got going on right now, get your portion sizes and cravings under control with our friends. Over at Riduzone, it's the only FDA-accepted product that includes OEA. That's the naturally occurring molecule that helps you feel full faster, burns stored fat, while reducing your calorie intake. And Riduzone, therefore, makes it easier to resist those cravings that have probably never been tougher to resist than they are right now. There's there's really not much else to do than just get fat and Netflix and chill. They're not really giving us too many options, okay? So if you want to give Riduzone a shot, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, that's how you spell it because you got to go to the website. Only place in America you can get it right now. Riduzone.com is the website. Use my name, Steve, as a promo code. You can save up to 65% off and even get free shipping. So free shipping and up to 65% off at Riduzone.com. Speaking of promo code, Steve, I want to mention this again. I did at the top of the program. Um, we are anticipating uh, here at The Blaze that we're going to have to flatten the curve with, with our advertising revenue because that's one of the first things that businesses cut back on whenever there's a recession. And we're in one right now. And we will be fortunate if the president can ne negotiate and navigate this scenario to stop us from going into a flat out depression of some kind. Okay, so to try to make sure that we can remain um, fully armed and operational as a real news battle station. Um, this is where you can help us help you. Uh, today, we're offering a special. Uh, if you want to be a Blaze TV subscriber, we're giving you $30 off your annual subscription. $30 off if you use my name, Steve, as the promo code when you go to blazetv.com. Blazetv.com, promo code Steve. If you've appreciated how we here at Blaze TV have been ahead of the curve on this, I got an email from somebody uh, just a few minutes ago who could not believe Martha McCallum. And, and I'm taking his word for it. I don't, I mean, I'm. Unless, unless they tell me the president's about to come on, I don't watch any of the cable news anywhere, okay? So, you know, I saw the clip that Tucker Carlson went after Bill Ackman last night for being a greed, an amoral greedhead, I think is what he called him, okay? Um, so other than the clips I see, I don't watch this stuff, you know? Um, so I'll take your word for it, but a guy just emailed me a minute ago, just he couldn't believe it. Other than Martha McCallum, everybody else at Fox is essentially just still going with the Imperial College uh, garbage, is, is how he put it, you know? So if, if, if you want platforms like this to pursue the truth, and look how we've evolved here, too. Why? Because we're, we're, we're following the path of the data. I mean, two weeks ago, we did a special, and I watched it. You know, we're, we're Glenn Beck was essentially warning people like me that we need to take this thing more seriously from a from a pathology standpoint. Right. Well, now we just did a special a couple a couple nights ago saying, OK, now the virus has become government. We've gone we've way overreacted to it. You know, so if you want outlets to be able to be available to to push open the Overton window there and ask those contrarian questions that are necessary to get answers to before we just hand over our freedoms because Imperial College did a simulation two and a half weeks ago and told us to. Uh, if you want formats like this to stay available, platforms like this, you know, um, this is where we need revenue. So if you've not yet considered subscribing, man, if we haven't proved to you 
that we're a worthwhile product in these last couple of weeks, then I, I don't, I don't know what else more we can do at this point. I mean, I know how mediocre I am and what you've gotten this week. It's the best I got. They'll tell you that. I, this is whatever this is. It's the, it's all downhill from here. This is the best I've got is what you have gotten from me in the last week. All right. So blaze tv.com slash dace, or I keep saying that cause that's the old website blaze TV dot com promo code steve blaze tv.com promo code steve go there today thirty dollars off because there's a ton of exclusive content we do at blaze tv that we don't throw out there for free to everybody all right blaze tv.com promo code steve get thirty dollars off right now all right you guys ready to get to some feedback friday always let's yep. do it now this is what you have been sending to us via the stevedace.com inbox steve at stevedace.com is uh, the email address that's d-e-a-c-e like us on facebook follow us on twitter at steve dace show those are all places where you can send in your feedback and then we take a look at it and select what we're going to talk about and respond to here on the show starting with this one from from jl jl says phil kirpin's kid We'll speak at CPAC before Bye. seat Bye. days. I'll shut the door on my way out. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> For those of you that uh, missed it yesterday, Phil Kirpin is an excellent, um, you know, we used to call him in the old newspaper days when we were actually serious about um, exposing Tammany Hall, not getting kickbacks from it. All right. We used to call these guys muckrakers. Okay, guys that with the new format of, of newspapers and radio could go out there and get information that uh, big business and, and big government didn't want you to have. Right. We used to we used to do that in this thing called journalism in America. That's what, how we used to work. We don't do that anymore on radio and, and television, frankly, or <laughs> certainly not in print. So guys like Phil Kirpin are entrepreneurial and they do it online. And he was with us yesterday helping us to break down this uh stimulus package that isn't a stimulus package because there's nothing to stimulate it does have a couple of key provisions in there that the, the economy desperately needs the rest of it is trash and as he was breaking it down his children who have had enough of being cooped up decided that they wanted to get the old man's attention and uh, we had a lot of fun with that here on real in real time yesterday so that was what that's a reference to all right let's get serious here for a second do we have any any attorneys in the audience if we do if you could email me at steve at stevedace.com and answer to this question, I'm gonna, I would pass it on to Seth, who sent this to me this morning. Seth says, my daughter is two months old and has been in the hospital since the day she was born. Now, we had the situation with Noah. He was in the NICU for quite a while, too, because he, he was born by emergency C-section and, and almost fit entirely in the palm of my hand. All right, now he's 13 years old and thinks he gets to tell me now what's up all right but 13 years ago we weren't sure he was going to make it 13 more hours okay so his daughter uh seth's daughter is two months old has been in the hospital since the day she was born except for two failed attempts to care for her at home she will likely remain in the hospital for the next couple of months leading up to her surgery the hospital is now restricting visitors to one per day including parents so my wife and I would have to rotate days we get to see our child. Do they have a legal right to not allow you to see your kid? I don't know the answer to that. So I'm reading this online, or I'm reading this uh, on the air, hope, hoping that some of you that are online and listening to us right now or watching on Blaze TV might know an answer to this legally that I could pass on to Seth. I've saved his email address. 
He doesn't know I'm doing this. I just, I don't know the answer to his question. I got to figure in this vast audience, somebody has some idea. Okay. And, and of course, and probably on a state by state basis, this kind of stuff varies. But, it, but if you have some idea of, of Seth's um, dilemma here, and they, this is another one of those law of unintended consequences of a mass panic that you don't think through what, you know, what the reverb is going to be, right? When you snap the rubber band back, all right, and then you let it go and you don't, you don't really contemplate what the consequences on the other end of that revolution, with, with, with the other end of that action will rot. This is one of them. All right, so Steve at stevedace.com, if you might have a legal answer to Seth's question, can they deny him as a parent access to his kid? Do you have any thoughts on this? You look like you want to say something. Well, I think it's, I think it's legally possible based on the criteria, emergency criteria that we talked about earlier. Chris was talking about what the, you know, the government's role uh, in enforcing policy during an emergency to, to possibly prevent both parents from coming. My question is, if you are allowing one parent, why wouldn't you allow both I can see limiting it to parents, but see, you're, there's some question begging going on just within that. You're not going to be overrunning a system by allowing two parents who are clearly and obviously from the same viral ecosystem to come. That's I have a question about that. I know I know that this or at least I've heard that this is this type of thing is definitely happening basically everywhere. I'm not a constitution. I'm not an attorney either. I'm not a constitutional attorney. Um, but it would seem, uh, it would seem that that's overblown while at the same time, it's, it's hard to make a case why if somebody's on their deathbed, uh, why they still can only have one visitor, but somebody's coming into the world, they can only have, you know, they, they have, they, they can have more than one visitor. So I don't, I don't really, I don't really understand, uh, where, I, I don't really understand where to start and stop with with these regulations. I, I don't even know if they're um, I, I just know from what I have heard from hospitals. These are hospital wide regulations. Uh, exceptions can be made uh, from what I've heard as well. So I, I don't I'm not totally sure where where you would go to. Which is why I'm that. asking people to yeah. if you if you're a lawyer and you're in the office and you know, let us know. Um, let's go next to Kathy. <clears throat> pardon me i look forward to your show each day because it's like a dose of reality and truth among all the insanity that is promoted as news thank you uh your theology thursday segment yesterday was so on target with something that happened in my family just a couple of weeks ago when it became apparent that the diocese here in texas were closing churches someone close to me sent an email to our priest asking why they couldn't let those who still wanted to attend mass on sundays she didn't say she thought all this was an overreaction she simply stated that attending church is important to her and surely others and watching the service streaming wasn't going to be the same as actually being there she added how people in other countries still attended mass under threat of violence and terrorism, yet why were they denying us the, the opportunity to, defend, or to attend mass? She's a very quiet and shy person, had never written a letter to the church, so this was that important to her. The response she got back left her in tears. The response suggested that she was saying this was a hoax. Did she really think this was all political? Would the whole world be in on a hoax? 
She said nothing to even hint at all of that. It went on to say that we need to do this to protect the elderly and vulnerable, which we already knew. She's a very caring person, so she understands the threat to this sector of our community. Needless to say, I don't think she'd ever reach out again to the church. I so much wanted to write my own letter to the priest, letting him know what effect his response had, but she didn't want me to. After seeing your show today, I would just want to send him that segment. You guys are good at putting these things into words. Thank you so much for what you do. Now, here's, here's why I shared this. This is, this is the church. Okay? And I, 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 vish, I vehemently disagree with it. I have, with, with maximum prejudice, pushed back on it over the last couple of weeks. But I understand why Imperial College did what it did. I understand why. In fact, it's, it's, it's really within the logical accordance of its own worldview. It operates under the consistent premise that at any point, human beings are a virus, a contagion, a disease, that our behaviors will cause the earth to end in any 10-minute in, in any interval from now. And I'm only slightly exaggerating or embellishing for effect. That is its worldview. It is a pagan institution. And what do I mean by that? That it, that it has given itself over to the notion. See, if, if you watch the way conservatives and leftists debate politics a lot, you'll see what I'm talking about. Leftists begin with the desired conclusion. Feed as many hungry people as we possibly can. Stop as much gun violence as we can. Right? They, 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 they always begin with the conclusion. Because they believe that they can exact outcomes. They, they believe this is what progressivism does, the, the perfectibility of man. They believe in the end that the ideal outcome can be reached, particularly if those who don't agree with them are sacrificed to get us there. Know what I'm saying, G, on that one? Okay. So they always start with the end. Conservatives tend to start with the premise. I believe in the right to keep and bear arms. I believe in the Second Amendment. I believe in limited government. That the government who governs least governs best. Right? We tend to begin with like a mission statement in how we make our arguments. They go right to the end game. And that's not just, well, one's logic and one's emotionalism. That's true too. But, it's, but, it's, but it, the important thing is to understand why that's the case. That's the case because of the worldview. When you reject the sovereignty of God, you have rejected the most logical assertion in all of the universe. I really don't believe it's a very difficult question to I don't. I think it's a hard question to answer. If, 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 if God is a loving God, why is there suffering in the world? It's a, it's a simple answer. It's just not easy. You don't like it. Because you're a sinner. And you made other people suffer. And other people are sinners. And they made you. That's why. You should be asking the other question. You've, you're asking the wrong question. Instead of asking, you want to know the real difficult question. I'll give you the real difficult question. Why did God allow sin to happen? That's the question. Oh, that's the tough one. And that's the one that I think that requires 
the evidence of God's love systemically elsewhere just to trust on faith that there's a purpose and reason for that. Okay? That's the, that's the tough question. The tough question is not, why do bad things happen to good people? There aren't any good people. So your question already is a fallacy. We're all bad. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None would choose him. None would follow the righteous path. That's not, no, you just don't like the answer. That, the reason we keep asking it from that premise is we don't want to put the responsibility on ourselves. We want to cast it off to God, which is a further confirmation of our own sinfulness. Like Adam fashioning a fig leaf and then metaphorically creating one by trying to pawn off his responsibility on Eve. We follow suit. It's not tough to answer at all why there's evil in the world when we're the ones causing it. What's tough is to acknowledge that fact. The progressive leftist view believes human nature is basically good and can only be made better under their tutelage, their discipleship, their guidance. So they believe in the perfectibility of man. I even saw this a couple nights ago. I was watching Red Sun with Noah. And it's the animated version of a classic Superman comic from the 90s. What if, what if Superman's pod from Krypton had landed in the Soviet Union in the, in, in the 1930s instead of Smallville, Kansas? How the world would have changed. And there's a fascinating exchange now where Superman is becoming self-aware and realize that he's a tool of Joseph Stalin and the state for propaganda. And, he, he's in, and, and Stalin's made him his adopted son. And he, he's in Stalin's private quarters. And confronts him on this. Hey, I, you know what? I found these gulags you hid from me. I, I found these death camps you hid from me. Why are you doing this? And Stalin says, well, you know, to achieve perfection requires sacrifice. In other words, what I said to you a minute ago. Perfectibly, perfectibility of man can be achieved, provided those who don't agree with us are sacrificed on the way towards getting there. That's what Stalin says right to Superman in the cartoon. And so when you begin with this idea that things can be perfected, you already have rejected logic. It doesn't mean you're smart. It means you're illogical. You have rejected logic. You have rejected the most logical assertion in all of the cosmos. The only thing that makes everything make sense. Well, why did those amino acids form a single-celled protein one day then, sir? The only thing that makes sense is that there's God. The only thing that makes sense. It's the most logical assertion in all of the universe. When you reject the sovereignty of God, you are now in a worldview driven by emotionalism because you're just governed by your own passions, your own thoughts, your own instincts. So it is, it is actually in accordance with the worldview of Imperial College that they did what they did these last couple of weeks. Who there's no excuse for, Kathy, is your church. There's no excuse for that. The idea that the shepherd of your congregation could come up with no other excuse or reason or rationale for why you might ask this question other than you just hate old people. There's no, there's no possible, I say this to my, my, my teenagers at home all the time. They ask me a question. I give them the answer. They don't like it. They then go to the most incredible extreme. Well, this just means this. And I, and I just call them on their bluff and look at them and smile and say, uh, sweetie, you don't think that there's any possible answer between the one I gave you and then the most dramatic, draconian 
possible reason why I gave that? You can't think of any possible answers between these two places. Well, they're teenage kids. They're not a minister of the gospel called to shepherd God's people with a transcendent message and a charge literally out of sp- beyond space and time for all of eternity, who James says, if you answer that charge, you are doubly responsible to the Lord because of the awesome responsibility that carries. The idea that your friend could not possibly be asking these questions for any other reason other than because, you know what, people just, when when people put on their list of things they just selfishly want to do, at the expense of others. Isn't going to church often number one? Has anybody in all of human history thought, you know what, man, I know how I'm going to get over on y'all. I'm going to church. On its face, the, his reaction is just stupid. It's just stupid. No one, no one, no one selfishly thinks of church as the place to go and get their ego on because they got nothing else to do. Yeah, let me go here. Although maybe at this church you're not here and you're a sinner given this action. I don't I don't know. But let, yeah, let me walk in and hear I'm a sinner and have you asked me for money after you tell me that. Who the hell volunteers to hear that message? Cuz they've got nothing better to do on a Sunday. If that if that rationale was true, our churches would be a lot more packed, would they not? If it was that popular of a message that people just looked to go I can't get enough of that one. Yeah. I'm like Robin Williams in Good Morning America. Denang me, badang me, somebody get a rope and hang me. I can't get enough. You bet. Flog me some more. I mean, I was going to sleep in. I was going to watch the NFL today. But then I just had this random thought. I really need to hear. I'm bound for hell. So I gathered everybody in the car on a whim and drove down to church just to show y'all. Does anybody do that? No. No. Has it probably ever been done in all of human history? Nope. Because if it had, churches would be a lot more full. So the fact that he instinctively thinks that this is the this is this is where your friend is going, to me, show yourself out. We will accept your resignation. Not that he didn't not his answer, but the premise of his answer. That he begin with the assumption. That the only reason you would want to go and be in the company of other believers and experience the sacramental grace of the Mass, and I say that as a Protestant, the only reason he could possibly envision you'd want to do that is you just don't care about the old people. I'd never go back there again. I'd never listen, I'd never sit under a single homily he taught ever again. Ever, ever, ever again. Ever. That to me, that's just, you might as well sleep with the organist. It's that level of disqualifying in my view. It's pathetic. Makes me want to puke. You can't shepherd a flock better than that. Shouldn't have ever been a shepherd in the first place. I'm going to stop now because I'm getting really mad. Somebody else want to talk? Yeah, you know, I'm the guy... Last week when we talked, I think it was a last week Friday, but when we talked about should churches shut down, I said, well, the, the reason to at least not let your hair on fire about it, at least in the short term, is because uh, 
how we may be scapegoated about this. And sure, even though most churches have shut down anyways, we're still being scapegoated. In the New York Times today, somebody's saying this is all the <laughs> yeah. evangelicals' fault. So it just props this, that it took them this yeah, long yeah. to get there. By the way, that's true. I, I mean, that, that, they're at least showing a little restraint. <laughs> either way, either way, the fear wins. But that's this is what we're talking about here, and we're this. This is all. No matter how smart this may, guy may think he sounds, uh, th- th- this is all fear-based. He is afraid of the scorn of others when the Lord himself, by definition, in all that he says is does, is like, well, are, do you stand with me or do you stand with them? I mean, this is not, it, it is preposterous they did this, and it should make you question, and this, I'm only echoing what Steve did, said, but I'm uh, speaking now as the Catholic. If, if he's providing you this false gospel right now, what do you think he's doing on every other Sunday? Yeah, what it sounds like is is uh, once again a, f- a faulty premise. The premise is that the church is the building. The church is the building that everybody goes to once, twice, maybe three times a week if you're super holy. Um, the, that is that is the premise of of some of these of some of these contentions that I'm that I'm hearing from this uh, priest or. That this that the, the church is only as big as the four walls. I, that is so. That's one thing that that premise needs to be blown up. And then the second thing, which is the even bigger lie, is what you just pointed out over the course of the last ten minutes, Steve. I mean, goodness gracious, when there's there's prudence again. This was the first video that we did on this. There's prudence and panic. Panic is not. Is I don't I don't know maybe maybe it's second hesitations where panic is a, a fruit of the spirit I don't see that though in most printings of the Bible and that's what I see I mean, I saw somebody this morning that everybody everybody listening is probably I was probably heard of liken I saw this on Twitter liken uh, liken the virus to the resurrection of Jesus. And those who deny the virus or deny its impact to... No, you did not. Yep. Who did this? Eric Erickson. Are you kidding me? No. Do you want me Are to you this? freaking kidding me? Do you want me to read this for you? No, don't. No, don't. 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 I... You broke your mic. Don't. Don't. There it is. Don't. I... I... Don't. Continue your point. I'm sorry. Guys, I keep thinking about this. Last century, you made this point earlier this week. Last century, we defeated two dictators at the same with time with imperialist ambitions at the same time. This century, a piece of bat poop a half a world away is bringing our society to its knees. And and the church certain sectors of the church its response is, you hate old people, if you want to question that. Maybe this is God's judgment. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that I can even rebound from that. I, I, I'm... I... I you, you talk. You got to... So I think we have our virtue signal in gold medal. Uh I can tell you where that probably needs to get shoved. It's going to be tough, tough to beat that one. But that's really what, that's my point about that. That's what your gospel has been for a very long time, Catholic or otherwise. It's been virtue signaling. Yep. 
there's uh, one of the great Catholic American writers of all time, Flannery O'Connor, just read it today. Many people think faith, the Christian walk, the Christian faith is a, is a, is a warm electric blanket when it's really the cross. That's it. That, she nailed it. And she nailed it a long time ago. And that's a woman who said it, uh, uh, suffered from lupus, died at a young age. But we, all we want are the warm fuzzies. All we want is the virtue signal. And now, you're not supposed to want the cross, as Steve said, but the cross is what it is. And it is the narrow gate towards all of eternity. It's... It, and and if you're not a Christian, and you have you don't care about that, fine, that's honest. But if you are a Christian, right now is a time of reckoning, and a lot of people are clearly into, into retconning that instead of dealing with it at face value. I'm going to give you a couple of data points of what that looks like from my own home state that are going on. I just saw on Twitter in real time as we were sitting here talking. Mm -hmm. And then by then, maybe, maybe I'll calm down. Maybe. But I wouldn't count on it. Not that you asked, but it's time for me to reveal. I'm, I'm wearing my Tommy John underwear today. In fact, it's like the only underwear I have because I just went out and bought a whole bunch more. It's, it's rare because I get a chance to sample most of the products that we talk about here on the show, um, especially stuff like this that's kind of generic that everybody can use. It's rare that I'm so impressed that I'm like, that sample's not enough. I'm going to go buy more. I'm going to go buy more out of my own pocket. I did that with Tommy John, all right? Uh, because of fabric, fit, and function. Just how much better everything fits, how much more flexible the fabric is for better functionality, particularly now that I'm even working out even more awkwardly because I'm trying to simulate stuff that I do at the gym at home and it's head, shoulders, knees, and toes right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness nobody's down there watching. Like I'm falling all over and I'm looking around. Anybody see that? Nope. Just me. All right. So um, I'm a big fan of this product uh, and I spent my own money on it. They gave me some samples, loved it so much, went out and bought some more. All right. So I can't do a better endorsement of a product than after they gave me some of it for free. I liked it so much. I bought more of it. All right. And they've got it uh, for women as well. I can't really vouch for that. Although in this day and age, you guys, I'm, I'm, I would assume you guys would be okay if I did, right? That would be the, might even make me more electable, uh, at least in one of the major political parties, if I could personally vouch for how the women's underwear fits, right? You're getting dangerously yeah. close to uh, test signals here. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to, if you want to find out about why I'm raving about Tommy John's underwear, go to tommyjohn.com slash Steve, get 20% off your first order. Take advantage of that stay put waistband and the no wedgie guarantee. 20% off your first order at tommyjohn.com slash Steve. That's tommyjohn.com slash Steve. So I, I was just looking on Twitter with a gentleman 
I adore. And at other, at other stages of my career was one of my best friends. I mean, it had been a guest in my home. He's helped mentor me early in my sports radio career. And he's, he's, the, he's a beloved sportscaster here in town. And he's tweeting out all these numbers uh, from, our new, from our Iowa governor on COVID-19. But there's no context to these numbers, okay? There's, there's no context. Oh, we've, got, we've got 56 new cases. Okay, well, what's the obvious thing I need to know to, before I react to that? How many people did you test? If you only tested 56 people, stop watching here. Get with your loved ones. If you only tested a couple hundred people, I still might consider that, wouldn't you? Well, yeah. It's a different conversation, yeah. yeah. What, what if you tested 3,965? What, what if you... I, I mean, you have to include the testing numbers. We need to know how many people have been tested. And then keep, it, keep in mind that you have to consider we're testing the most vulnerable and symptomatic first. Meaning if you're showing, meaning if Aaron, if Aaron, 27 year, 27 year old millennial called up your wife's hospital where she's nursing at right mm-hmm. now, right? And said, hey, I'm, I've, I was just watching TV. I, you know, I feel fine, but I think I might be asymptomatically carrying the coronavirus. I'm coming in. What would, would, they, would they give you a test? Probs not. No, they would not. Because you're not in the target risk group that's the most vulnerable right now. And you're not showing any signs of symptoms. Mm-hmm. In fact, I've gotten emails from people all over the country telling me they went in to get tested and they told me they weren't going to give them a test and wasted on them, basically. So when you do the actual math, and and I, I tweeted this to this person I adore. I said, brother, respectfully, you've got to include total testing numbers to put these numbers into context. What these numbers mean is 5.9% of the Iowans, 5.9, were one of the elder, oldest populations in the country. You know what, like, number one in obesity rate in Iowa? Did you know that? This is one of the oldest, most obese populations in the country is Iowa. Those are two, those are two dominant factors in mitigating your, your immunity system, correct? Correct. So, and you got to assume we're testing the most vulnerable and, and, and symptomatic. I think that's a simple assumption, don't you? Yeah. Okay. Among those testing numbers, 5.9% of those tested, tested positive. Which is 10% below the stated average yes. by Dr. Burks yesterday, yep. Yep. roughly 15%. Yep. yep. Which is, that's the number I gave you guys two days ago on the yep. show, and she gave it to you yesterday. Yep. Okay. Um, two and a half percent, if you look at his, 100, 100 Iowans needed to go to the hospital. That's actually only two and a half percent. You want to know why Bella's not that busy right now? Because only two and a half percent of the Iowans that we have tested for COVID-19 required hospitalization, guys. In one of the oldest, fattest populations in America, only two and a half percent of the people tested. And it's not, it's not summer here yet. So we can't say warm climate, people are healthier out in the sun. It's been cloudy, wet, rainy for like the last two weeks here. So two and a half percent of the Iowans tested so far required hospitalization. 0.07% of Iowans that te- have been tested so far died. Now, how does that change the way you receive this data? Other than say, dramatically. What do you think the answer is? Other than, is there another answer other than dramatically? Well, it should, but this it's crucial that you're bringing this up within the context of somebody like 
the gentleman we're talking about. Because unlike a, a pundit who you can easily dismiss and put in their tribe, the reason why this is so dangerous when he does it is because he's like as respected as Mr. Nice Guy is just about anybody in Iowa, wouldn't you say? He's earned it too. And, you know, he's yep. very good at what he does. I listen to him every day. But he's. this is the level of hypnosis that I was talking about earlier on the show. Pe- people will just kind of fall into the feeling mm-hmm. that he gives off when it's not based on the kind of analysis that, quite frankly, is not that deep of a dive if you're willing to do it. And you must do if you're taking... He's a sports guy, but right now he's taking on the mantle of reporter for health you got to do better because there's not any sports to cover right yeah you have anything to add to that aaron i i will just say i there has to be there has to be a tipping point at some at some time with the people like who we're talking about because he's not a dumb guy by any stretch of the imagination who we're talking about he's not stupid he's not a propagandist at some point, those types of people, I don't know what his, I don't know what his politics are. He's not, he's not a propagandist who we're talking about. He's not. I listen to him too all the time. Uh, there has to be a, a point in time where people like that step back and say, when is this cliff coming that we've been promised for weeks now and we're just not seeing? And that, that's going to happen within the next week or two weeks. If things keep up the way they are right now, I, you just have to, I mean, unless, unless this is just, unless the hypnotism is, is, is so, or hypnotization, whatever the word is, is just so effective that that cannot happen. There has to be a tipping point because otherwise I don't want to contemplate what it will be like because Todd is absolutely right. It is just this Fear of fear of the virus itself, fear of the panic and fear of going out on your own and trying to form your own opinions about it and being potentially being wrong or or getting things. I I don't there's just fear on every single level right now. And I don't I don't know what's going to break through that. That this also means if you look at Iowa's entire population, point oh oh seven percent of Iowans have tested positive point oh oh seven percent. 0.00001% 0.00001% have died. I, I, Steve, you don't care about those people. Do you know how many Iowans are going to die on the road? Would die on the roadways on a on a given day? I didn't even find out how many Iowans die of heart disease and cancer. But given the fact of our elderly and obese and morbidly obese population, it's probably high. And yet, we're not dramatically altering public policy and how we live our lives. Well, Steve, those are those things are transmitted differently. Yes and no. I mean, I know of only one way to transmit a car accident. I mean, what do you think the ratio of, of one car accident deaths are to multiple car fatalities? It's over one. I mean, there aren't too many one car accident deaths, guys. So guess what the vast majority of car accidents are? Multi-car. Transmitted events. Yeah, yeah. Yes. you doing that to somebody else yes. or them doing it to you. Yes. That's a transmission, right? Yeah. And and that's the thing too, because I've known this gentleman for 20 years. I don't know him as well as I used to because I'm in another world now. But I mean, I, I, mean, I, I knew him very well for many years. And I really don't know what his politics are because he's fairly even keeled. 
And Tenton kind of enjoys looking at both sides of the issue. So if he is caught up in, in, in doing this, all right, then think of what the average person right. in this line of work is doing right now. Right. That's, that's why I gently pushed back on him. If it was somebody else that I didn't know, and they're probably just trying to, they're just here in Des Moines, so they can get noticed by Chicago, right? And so panic is the headline, and that's what gets your, you know, get your audition tape, and that's what your editor told you to go look for. I, I'm not interested in that. But the fact that this is a gentleman that's turned on ESPN multiple times to stay here in Des Moines. He's an institution here. I love him. I adore him. Wife does too. We've known him for years. I mean, if, if he's peddling this, then I, I mean, I, where do you go to get information? Frankly, we're one of the few places, guys. We're one of the few places right now. And it speaks to the level of panic. Again, people, it, it, pe instead of, are we supposed to in a time like this be looking for hope? Trying in every way right. to break things down to find the hope, the light at the end of the, the tunnel. The amount of people but who like want to believe yeah, the worst. So believe one, the worst. That's what's fascinating yes, to me too. One of, That's one of exactly the, it's, it. it's another. Let me have my apocalypse. Uh, yes. Don't take that away from me. Uh, another broadcaster who you know really well, Steve, um, on the same station as this guy, yesterday morning was saying, you know what, guys, you know everybody's everybody's doing their best you know uh, we just gotta we gotta have a lot of empathy and and the other broadcaster on the morning show on the same station came back and said well yeah i agree that we need to have empathy but not everybody's doing their best i mean uh this other guy was just talking about how he saw somebody at the park not social distancing really well so not everybody is doing yeah. it's that type of thing i j ugh, it's just the fear, the addiction, yep. and the need you know what? to shoot up yep. with the panic every single day, you, you, it is just you, you, demonic. You know why? Because just like we said when it looked like Bernie was inevitable as a Democratic nominee, with all the numbers of millennials that were supporting him in the polls, and then we actually got to the polls and found out again that young people don't vote, as our friend Chris Pandolfo kept pointing out. All right. Um, but what did you think was going to happen when you let our kid, a generation of America's children, get educated on your dime by Soviets? They were going to grow up and, when asked, support a Soviet, right? Right. Well, this this pandemic is the is the first and most bitter fruit of a of an of a post Christian culture, and that's where. And, and if you look at how many movies have been about apocalypses and doomsdays for the last couple of decades, almost like we've been a culture begging to be put out of our misery subconsciously you know it's like the guy who's been cheating on his wife for a long long time and 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 on a and he's been living a double life and the strain of it has gotten to him and so he just subconsciously starts like leaving the clues to be found out just to and then feels like relief when he gets discovered you know what i'm talking about that's kind of what's happening here i mean some of our most popular pop culture of the last couple of decades and it's not like the Avengers Endgame where they, we like save the world. It's been like nihilistic, like The Walking Dead. Like, like, like you know, it's been some of the most popular themes in our, in, our, in our culture, in our literature, in our filmmaking in the last couple of decades. A nihilistic end. And now that, now that the, 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 it's almost like some are hope, these same people are hopeful that it has arrived. 
It's the exact opposite of that scene you and I both love. We talked about it. We said, oh, yeah, in the, the, near the end of the um, the darkest hour where Churchill gets on the train and is talking to people. Right, right. And what happens if the Nazis come here? We'll fight him like housewives. Right. We'll fight him in the street with broomsticks. Where yep. is that? Where in God's name is that? Well, it's on this show. It's it's here at Blaze TV. It's in our audience. That We see that, Okay. I mean, our, our numbers have exploded on this show. I mean, I've added like almost 4,000 Twitter followers like this week. All right. And, that, and, and that's overcoming the Twitter algorithm. I think Facebook is actually acknowledging I have 100 new followers. What? Yeah. No. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I'm, I'm like legitimately surprised. So that. given the Facebook shadow ban, multiply that by 10, right? Uh, they told me we had almost fifty thousand views on, on that we, we, on the uh, on the Pluto app because we started running our shows over there. I mean, our numbers are exploding from a traffic perspective. So it's out there, brother. It's out there. But and and here's the good news: it only takes seven thousand men not to bow the knee mm-hmm. to bail. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can I, I put contact? Did you publicly? Push back on Twitter against. Yeah. Okay, I good. Tweeted, and what I read the, to you is exactly what I tweeted okay, back to. Well, him. that's the point I want to make. Every, uh, every one of you, whether you have a talk show host, whatever you, you have to do that publicly. Yeah, a lot of to you have been emailing me. Days. What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Publicly push back to I don't your care friends. If you've got a, a five, the the max limit five thousand Facebook friends or one hundred and eighty. All right, if everybody in this audience that has a Facebook account and all if. Just refuse to be silenced. Just refuse. And don't even, you know what? If you can't resist being a, being, a, being a canoe when people come back at you in the comments, don't even read the comments. Just keep, just keep publishing that stuff. Okay? Exactly. Because I'm telling you right now, I've never had more viewers, more listeners, more followers than I have these last two weeks. It's not even close, guys. Last time we saw this kind of explosion is when I endorsed Ted Cruz for president and that went to his entire network. That was four years ago. So there's a lot of us out there. Do not be shamed or silenced to think you're alone. I promise you, you're not. Our numbers say we've been, we've got the most, we've been keeping the most company we ever have on this show right now. And this is the most contrarian we've probably ever been. So keep posting that stuff. Do not be silenced. Refused. Refuse to give in to the panic. There's more out there than you think. And everybody else do the same. And then a lot of people with modest followings doing the same thing at the same time. That is a rising tide that lifts a lot of boats right there. All right. Have a great weekend, man. Be safe. We'll be back again on Monday. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.